this morning, uh, as we reflect on communion, uh, we get this idea from Scripture. We don't come up with this idea of let's get a cup out and put some juice in it. Let's put some, you know, bread in a, in a tray and let's, let's develop this. Uh, we did not come up with this idea. All of this stuff comes out of Scripture. And so as we think about the Lord's table and we think about the Scripture that was given to us, I want us just to reflect a little bit upon the Scripture and what the Scripture contains. Uh, first of all, the Scripture was ordained by God. It is God-breathed. And it was written, though, by man. God, through his Spirit, moved men to write down his revelation to us so that we would have his message to us. It took over a period of 1,600 years to write the Bible. There are some 40 authors, different personalities, different people, and yet over a period of 1,600 years, 40 different authors, we have compiled in front of us the revelation, the heart of God to us. Sometimes I think we forget and we take for granted the book that we hold in our hands. Here's what I mean by that. In the year 1517, October 31st, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. He did so because the church had become so corrupt. And how did the church become corrupt? Well, priests were selling what they called indulgences. It was a little piece of paper that someone could purchase to pay for their sin, reduce their time in purgatory. That's what they were taught. They also sold relics, images that they would put up in the church, and people would come into the church and look at those images and those relics, and that would take time off for their sins. The problem with those things is it was all false. It was a lie. And Martin Luther was outraged. He could not believe the church was that corrupt. And what were they doing it for? The almighty dollar. Money. The church became corrupt. And so they were telling people, oh, you can have your sins forgiven if you buy this piece of paper. If you pay to come in and look at these relics, uh, your sins will be forgiven. Your time of punishment will be re reduced. And that's what people were being taught. But here was the reason they didn't know the difference. They didn't have a copy of the Bible. They didn't. The German people had no copy of the Bible in their language. Think about that. No copy. All they were told is whatever the priest told them, that must be the truth. And they didn't know any better. And so they practiced that. And that was passed on until Martin Luther came and was studying the scriptures as a monk. An Augustinian monk. He's studying the scriptures and he comes to the book of Romans. And he opens the book of Romans, and he's reading in the book of Romans. In chapter 1, 
And it says in verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And then he came to this verse in verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. It said nothing about indulgences. It said nothing about images. And he's thinking about the money that people are paying. And he's like, that's false. The church is teaching a false doctrine, a false belief system. And they had been doing so for a thousand years. And he comes along and he's like, this isn't right. And so he writes those 95 theses and he nails them to the church door. And he's like, I'll debate anybody that wants to debate this. He was willing to give his life for it. And the other thing that Martin Luther did when he, he, he actually translated the scriptures from Greek, the New Testament was written in Greek, to German. And they started making copies of the Bible so that the average person in the church could read the scriptures for themselves and know what the scripture says. Prior to that, they had no copies. They sold like 3,000 copies, and within a short time, they were all gone. They made, made 2,000 more. Within three months, they were gone. It was incredible. People were hungry for truth. But I think about today. What are people looking for for forgiveness of sin? Where do they turn? So many times people turn to themselves. Well, you know what? I'll be a good person. I'll, I'll do the right thing. I'll go to church. I'll do this. I'll give money to the poor. I'll help people. But you know what? That's all well and good, but it does not erase our sin problem. The scriptures tell us the remedy for sin is the cross. That's why we have a cross hanging up. We have crosses on our building because we're not about anything else other than the cross. The whole 66 books of the Bible, the first 39 of the Old Testament are in preparation for the gospel, and then the 27 books of the New Testament are all about the gospel, not just the four gospels. It's all about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we do not know that message apart from the Bible. There's no other way we can know it. This is God's revelation to us. We take it for granted because most of us can go home and we've got half a dozen copies on the shelf. And we don't realize how blessed we are in the blood and people that were burned at the stake because of this book. The first book that was printed on the Gutenberg printing press was the Bible. The German language, much of the German language today is the result of Martin Luther's translation of the New Testament into German. Many of the words and phrases that are used came directly as a result of his translation of the New Testament. It's incredible. The hymns, the, the, the songs we sang this morning, we probably would not have hymns and music in the church 
if it wasn't for Martin Luther. He was the one who began to write hymns and put music into the church. And the reason he did it is because people didn't have copies of the Bible. And he said, if they hear the music and the words, they will learn about God and theology. And his heart was so burdened for the average person to know the scripture. And so he put it to music. That was his heart. And he was willing to die for what he knew to be the truth of the gospel. And so it's imperative as we look at that and we say, no wonder Martin says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. So here's the question. What do you believe about this? What I have learned in the pastorate is people's beliefs change over time. Oftentimes. They go through a crisis. They go through a hard time. Their eyes become open. Their ears become open. Their heart starts to open. They're saying, you know what, maybe there's a little bit more to life than just what I thought there was. And because they've never opened the scriptures and they've never seen what God says about us and what God says about himself, they live in darkness because they don't know the light of truth. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Notice what he says, the message of the cross, he's not saying it's a foolish message, he's saying it's foolish to those who are perishing. In other words, the recipient thinks it's foolish. It's not. Just the recipient thinks it's foolish. It doesn't make sense that someone would come and die and bleed on a cross and be humiliated and hang there and die a cruel, suffocating death. And that does what? It pays for sin. That's why Jesus did it. That's why God sent his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the substitute for sin. That's the sacrifice for sin that God accepts. He accepts no other sacrifice. If he accepted the sacrifice of your good works and my good works that I could do good things and get to heaven, Jesus didn't need to come and suffer and die. He came and suffered and died on the cross, not so I have to buy indulgences, not so I have to come and pay to look at some silly relics, he came and died because there was no other means for me to be reconciled to a holy God. Otherwise, I die in my sin and I am separated from God forever in a place the Bible calls hell. The only means of my entrance and your entrance into heaven is the cross, the gospel. And that's why Martin Luther was so strong in his protest. Hence, we had the Protestant Reformation. The word protest in Protestant. He protested against the false teaching of the church. 
He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The recipients of the message are those who are perishing and dying apart from Christ think it's foolishness. But that doesn't make it foolish just because they think that. He says, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God changes us, as the Cardona family sang so beautifully, from the inside out. That's how God changes us. It's not the outside. I do all these external things. I dress a certain way. I talk a certain way. I act a certain way. And then God will let me into heaven. Huh? No, I deserve hell. I deserve wrath. I deserve judgment. Only the grace of Christ The death of Jesus on the cross pays for my sin. I don't buy it. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it, and neither can you. It is a free gift. For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any of us would boast. So the message of the gospel is good news. It is good news. The difference is this, my faith. Where's your faith? Do you have faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross? If you do, here's what that faith will do. It not only saves you, it changes you. It changes you. You become a child of God and you live and act like a child of God. You become godly. You become sanctified, set apart. From the world, you become more holy. You become more like Jesus. That's what saving faith does to us. It changes us from the inside out. Martin Luther, born late in the 15th century, he wrote wrote a commentary, and in the commentary, he wrote a preface to each of the books of the New Testament. And I'm just going to read a couple sentences, a little excerpt from the preface that he wrote to the book of Romans. Here's what he says. Faith is a divine work in us which changes us and makes us to be born anew of God. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so certain and sure that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. That was Martin Luther. He could stake his life on it a thousand times. That's how sure he was. He tells us what is necessary to come to saving faith. Two centuries later, in 1738, John Wesley hears the words from the book of Romans that Martin Luther put down. And his life is transformed. He feels his heart warmed and he gives his life to Christ. John Wesley becomes a a preacher of the gospel. And in the 18th century, there was a revival that spread. And William Wilberforce the man who ended slavery in the British Empire gave his life to Christ in the 18th century during that revival. Do you see the power of the gospel? 
slavery was ended because of the power of the gospel. You see, we learn how to treat one another. We learn how to love one another and live in community because of the gospel. Why would I have a need to love and care about you <laughs> without the gospel? I'd be all concerned about myself. Can you help me? <laughs> Can you do something for me? That's the way we would live apart from the gospel. But we come to the truth, and the truth sets us free. George Whitfield, as well, began his ministry as a result of all of these domino effects. He begins preaching the gospel, and it brought unification to the colonies, the American colonies, because of his preaching. So what do you put your faith in? A lot of people put their faith in their own human wisdom and knowledge. My pride tells me I can do it myself. I can do it in my own strength, my own wisdom, my own power. I will navigate through the storms of life apart from God. And then God brings a storm in that we can't handle. And do you know what that is? It's grace. God is trying to knock on your heart's door and tell you, guess what? I'm bringing something into your life you can't handle to show you you need the gospel. You need me. You need my power. You need my strength. I'm knocking on your door. You're in a crisis. You're in something you can't handle yourself. God is knocking on your door saying, would you open your heart more to me? I want to pour my grace into your life. It is a gospel of grace. It is not just for salvation. It is for all consuming aspects of my life. How do I get through the death of a brother? It is by the grace of God. There's no other way. There's no other way we can handle these things apart from the grace of God. But we, so many people in their own human wisdom and arrogance will attempt to do it and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He said, it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. He says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God's Foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. That's what he's telling us. Other people, it's not, their, it's not their pride or their human wisdom or intellect, but it's idolatry. Idolatry is this. It is me making God who I want him to be. See, I want him to do certain things for me, and if he doesn't do certain things for me, then he's not the God that I want. Rather than letting the Bible say, let God be God and every man a liar. Let God be God. We make God into who we want him to be. That's what they did in Corinth. They practiced idolatry. They practiced immorality as well. There was a thousand temple priestess prostitutes and why do people practice immorality? Because they don't have faith 
They don't have saving faith in the gospel because the gospel changes me from the inside out. The only way I can have victory over lust, the only way you can have victory over lust is the gospel of grace. I can't gain victory over lust. I don't have that kind of power. Neither do you. How can I live a morally upright life? I come to the gospel of grace, say, God, I can't do it. I'm weak. I'm broken. I can't do this. But I believe you will give me the power and the strength to do it. And he does. There's a spiritual blindness in our culture. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan blinds people to the truth. Some people live for pure pleasure. Well, I'm having a good time. I've seen people that the way their lifestyle is, they have no need of God. They have money, they have health, they have family, they have everything they feel like they need. What do I need God for? (laughs) Until the crisis comes. Until there's something in their life they can't handle or they can't answer, that's the grace of God knocking on their heart. And until they come to that point, they'll probably never turn to Christ. But that's the grace of God that brings us to that. Here's what Paul says. So he says, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians 15, the other end of the book. Paul says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now notice what he says. Christ died first. He died for our sins And he did it according to the scriptures. In other words, it was pre-planned. He didn't die by accident. He died by appointment. It was appointed that he would die to pay for our sin so that we could be reconciled to a holy God so that me who is unholy and dirty and filthy could be cleansed by the blood of Christ. And I can be in a right relationship with God. I'm not in a right relationship because I'm a pastor. I'm not in a right relationship because I was born in a pastor's home. I'm not in a right relationship because I give money to the church and I don't lie. And I, It's none of that. That'll pay for zero sin. It's the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. This is what Martin Luther preached and lived and died for. This is what we have to preach, live, and die for. It must be. There are so many people in our sea of world that's lost. You may be here today and you've been in the church and you've been living on your parents' coattails. You don't have your own faith. Where is your faith? Have you embraced the gospel fully in your life? You've been changed from the inside out? Or are you living a lie? It concerns me of how many people name the name of Christ, but the reality is missing. It's missing.
Paul said in Acts 26, talked about the words of Jesus to open our eyes, he said in Acts 26, 18, to turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that we might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in Christ. That's how we come. The message of Christ is a priority in our lives. It was a priority for Paul. He said it is of first importance. One message, one gospel, one truth, the death of Christ was a necessity. That's why it says in Acts 16, 31, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. We come to Christ by faith. We believe the gospel by faith. Do you have faith in the gospel? Have you been delivered from your sin, cleansed and changed from the inside out? If you have, there should be no shame in sharing the gospel. There should be no shame in us proclaiming the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.